With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. In this weekly show, the Husker Online team will give you the latest insight on Husker football, basketball, baseball, and of course, recruiting. Now, here's your host, Husker Online publisher, Sean Callahan. Hello here and welcome again to another edition of the Husker Online show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus. Later we'll be joined by intern David Eichold in the mailbag. But uh, guys, a few things to hit out of the gates here. Obviously players are off campus. This is the first week uh, they've been away. Uh, They'll come back May 22nd. So things pretty quiet um, within Lincoln uh, coaches are still on the road recruiting right now for Nebraska. Uh, but really the the big story this week, um, and I don't know if it's a story, I, I guess I'll get your guys' take on it, you know, because some local talk radio stations, including one of our affiliates, spent entire days talking about Joe Burrow. Uh, we've talked about it a little bit on our boards, but I, I think the people on our site, he's been on the radar and we've discussed this for a long time, but uh, Joe Burrow leaving Ohio State, uh, getting his release. He's visiting LSU, Cincinnati. We know that. Um, but it's brought up a, a great discussion on Nebraska and how they should handle this. And as of right now, there is no story with Nebraska. There has been no contact with Scott Frost. Um, I don't think there's expected to be any contact. And uh, I, I think it's led to a little bit of debate, at least, um, if that's the right move or not. Yeah, and Sean, you've been all over this for a while now, uh, and it's just there's no smoke. I mean, basically, the only reason people are tying Nebraska uh, to Joey Burrow is because of his family legacy connections, and it makes sense. I mean, obviously, he's a guy that wanted to come to Nebraska, um, wasn't offered the first time around. The, the Riley and his staff tried to offer him, but it was already you know too gone, um, you know, in the process. And uh, he's an Ohio State guy that almost won the starting quarterback job, a high-profile recruit out of high school. So I mean, he checks a lot of boxes of what you would want in a quarterback. But the reality of the situation is there's been zero contact, as you've reported several times. And uh, I mean, I guess basically anyone that's still talking about a potential chance of this happening, they're kind of grasping for straws right now because there's really no tangible reason to think that. And let's face it, it's May, Nate. There's about 50 Nebraska members who make their living, including us, off covering the football team. There's not a lot to talk about. So this has been a pretty good thing to fill the week. Well, and the crazy thing about it is, I mean, we've been talking about this yeah. pretty much ever since Scott Frost got hired. It was, it was. Uh, I feel like every radio interview that I've done, um, you know, it's come up at one point or another. You know, what, uh, what about you know the possibility of Joe Burrow eventually ending up at Nebraska? Well, yeah, there's there's the natural ties there. There's obviously the connections there, but um, again, there's there's absolutely no smoke at this point in time, and um, and it, it just it doesn't. I don't know if it if it makes sense. Um, you know, I, I think if if Nebraska were maybe one player away from competing for the West or or you know being able to to win a, a Big Ten conference title, then it might make sense to to bring him in and, and bring in that guy. Uh, but I mean, Scott Frost has said that this is this is going to be a long term deal this is not going to happen overnight you know he's not going to flip this thing overnight so i think if you did bring in a joe burrow although he is you extremely, risk the culture of the locker room yeah, too. although he's extremely talented but you you are going to stunt the growth of your redshirt freshman and your true freshman quarterbacks who are going to be your guys for the future and and uh um and then of course yeah the the whole locker room situation and um, and who knows what what has been said to to any of the quarterbacks? You know, who knows what was said to Adrian Martinez? You know, uh, when he was being recruited. You know, I don't know if if anything ever came up about a potential, uh, you know, grad transfer or, or anything like that. But you, I mean, there's a lot of different variables in play. And I think the way that Scott Frost is looking at this, probably coming out of spring ball, is that he's got a couple guys that he really likes, and those are probably the guys that he's going to try and build around. Uh, you know, going forward in the future and. Um, I think if you bring in a, high, a hired gun, so to speak, um, you, you kind of stunt the growth of, of those young quarterbacks. Well, it really hasn't worked out for Nebraska. You think about the two hired guns, Nate, Sam Keller and Tanner Lee, 
both NFL Combine invites. The last they were the last two quarterbacks from Nebraska to receive Combine invites. Uh, and Nebraska had two of their worst seasons in modern day yeah. history. Um, so it, it, you know, it doesn't always work out. Russell Wilson is the one out of a hundred, and maybe Joe Burrow could be that guy. And, and for the record, I think if Nebraska went after him and Frost really wanted him, and you know, went after him this week, I think Burrow, I, Nebraska, would have a pretty good chance. I, I would really like their chances. Uh, but the fact of the matter is. It's not happening at this point, so let's move on. And uh, guys, we're listening here to the Husker Online Show. I want to talk about a couple other things here in the open, but particularly Black Friday football. Um, it's come up again. Land of Ten um, reported this week uh, talking with um, the Iowa officials um, about that series that it looks like in 2021, uh, Nebraska and Iowa. I'm sorry, 22, I think. Yeah, 22. Uh, 22, Nebraska and Iowa. Uh, will play again Black Friday. It will be that way for the foreseeable future, maybe a long-term deal. This was something that Sean Eichhorst backed Nebraska out of on his own. It was a deal that Nebraska's played in since 1990, dating back to Colorado and Oklahoma and other teams in the Big tw- in the B, um, in the Big Eight, Big Twelve. And Iowa agreed to do it with Nebraska, and then Nebraska backed out of it. And Iowa actually didn't want that to happen, so um, it was kind of one of those deals. Sean Eichhorst screwed up. And I think Bill Moose is trying to get it fixed right now. Yeah, and there's no reason why they even would even mess with that. I mean, I guess it was maybe a Riley deal because he was pretty vocal about the idea of intentionally playing on a short week every single season to end the year. I think that not only was it playing on a short week, but it was the fact that it was the last week of the season when you're already so beat up and to give one less day of healing time. I think that was a big issue for him. So I don't think it was just Sean Eichhorst trying to uproot tradition. I think he was probably getting um, you know, Riley and um, you know, maybe Billy Devaney to an extent uh, in his ear saying, you know, look, look we, this isn't good for our team. You know, we don't have any ties to this. You know, let's let's just break it. And clearly the backlash uh, was more than any of those guys could have expected. There's a reason Sean Eichhorst was out of a job a week later. And, so, and yeah. Nate, to be fair, when the Black Friday thing started, and you can remember this too, there was always a bye week before that game. And, and that bye week went away. And, and this is how you kind of know how it played out. The NSAA used to play their championship games in Memorial Stadium on the Thursday, Friday, Saturday, because Nebraska never played that weekend. Then the Iowa game would happen on Black Friday. Well, that bye week just disappeared. The TV gods took that away, and you know scheduling gods didn't allow that bye week anymore. So, it, I mean, I get the point. Um, you know, if you could create somehow a bye week before that game, maybe it would make a difference. But uh, when you're getting $55 million a year on your television contract, you can't be too picky. Well, yeah, you can't be too picky. And um, and it's tradition. I mean, that's that's um, I mean, that's something that has become Nebraska's, you know, to play on Black Friday. Uh, and, I mean, you said it since 1990. So, I mean, this is this is something that, that it'll be 30 straight years when the contract with Iowa runs out. Yeah. And, and if there was one thing that Mike Riley was vocal about, it was probably that. I mean, I, I can't think of really too many other issues where he like came out and had like a firm stance on anything. Yeah, he uh, said the same thing about the Friday night games that. Yeah. Remember the Big Ten was trying to institute for whatever reason earlier in the year. Like he didn't like those either. So it wasn't just the Black Friday thing. And those are short weeks in general. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I I like the fact that Bill Moose has been able to to kind of clean this up, uh, and I like the fact that it's going to be Iowa. I know a lot of people are, are you know they try to resist the you know calling the Iowa Nebraska game a rivalry, and um, you know or, or they don't want to go there. But let's face it. I mean, um, it's I mean I, I foresee this thing being just like Nebraska and Colorado. Um, you know, border states. Uh, in the same division, and and I, I just think that it's something that, that Nebraska fans need to embrace and really accept. I mean, the Iowa fans right now, um, they've fully embraced it and accepted it, and, and beating Nebraska, what, three out of the last four years has mm-hmm. kind of helped that. But I think that this is going to be good for both programs going forward, and, and I'm glad to see that Bill Moose has kind of, uh, you know, kind of rectified this situation. Well, and you stay away from Michigan-Ohio State. I mean, that's their game on Saturday, yep. you know, and – any other game that Saturday in the Big Ten is is not even an appetizer. I mean, it's an afterthought. And and so you play Black Friday, you are the main course. That is the highest-rated game. It has been the highest-rated game for years uh, when Nebraska plays in that time slot, especially if they get the 230 spot. So um, now last year was FS1, not Fox or ABC, so it hurt the ratings. But 
it, it just makes too much sense. When you can get the highest rated game on Black Friday, and it's Nebraska-Iowa. I don't know why uh, you don't do it. But uh, one quick note before we go to break. 2020 and 21, Nebraska will play Minnesota. Um, there had been some talk about moving that game to Black Friday. Uh, but before I-Course, kind of his last um, things he tried to do was get that fixed and see if he could talk to Minnesota. Well, Minnesota said there's still nothing new on that front. It's way too early to discuss, but they are interested in at least talking with Nebraska for 20 and 21 about potentially playing those two games on Black Friday as well because they would obviously probably enjoy the TV exposure as well. So um, anyway, that's where things are at with that. Uh, When we come back, uh, we've got a lot to talk about here on the show, uh, but we're going to switch over to some basketball. Robin Washett has a lot of news to report. Nebraska is in the process of adding another player. They added another new coach. Robin's been on top of that news all week. That's next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, and it continues to, Robin, to get, stay pretty busy for you. I mean, in the month of May here, Nebraska basketball, they hire a new coach. They're about to add another player. They added another player the week before. Uh, so let, let's start first. I mean, you've been all over it, Robin, but um, it became official. Nebraska staff is now complete. Yeah, finally. Uh, it took about uh, a week longer than I thought it might, but uh, Armand Gates, um, the brief uh, associate head coach at the University of Florida, previously spent five seasons at he, Northwestern. He worked there for about two AAU tournaments. Yeah, pretty much. Basically half of Rashawn Burno. So uh, they've ended up falling into Nebraska's lap. And uh, when you look at where Nebraska was after Kenya Hunter um, moved on to UConn, that was a pretty bleak looking situation, just considering the size of the shoes Tim Miles had to try and fill um, with Kenya's departure. Um, from a recruiting standpoint, no assistant coach Tim Miles has ever had has been more productive than Kenya Hunter. Uh, you look at the roster that they were able to assemble for last year's 22 win season, the bulk of it was because of Kenya Hunter and directly because of Kenya Hunter. So um, that in itself made this such an important hire. And um, it was seemed, you know, pretty difficult to try and replicate that. But when you look strictly at a resume standpoint, Armand Gates checks about every single box you could have possibly hoped Nebraska would get an assistant coach. And then some. Uh, he's a young, energetic guy um, who is considered a rising star in the coaching business. Um, you know, really impressed with his work at Northwestern. Uh, you know, one of their first classes when he got there was a top 30 class and set the tone for that first NCAA tournament appearance and first NCAA tournament run. And you look at the names that he was able to bring to Northwestern, you know, Bryant McIntosh, Derek Pardon, Vic Law, uh, and you just go down the list. He did some serious work there, and there's a reason that he was able to be named associate head coach at a top 25 program under a pretty bright uh, coach, Mike White, uh, and get paid $350,000 to do it. Uh, I mean, you don't just get that opportunity out of nowhere. And so obviously the question remains, and I don't know if we'll ever get a you know, full answer on it, how he ended up just, you know, ending up in Nebraska's side. But, you know, Nebraska's been on the other end of this so many times. And so finally they got one of those breaks to go in their favor, and they'll take it every day of the week. So, yes, they have a full staff now uh, with plenty of time to organize a plan going into the July recruiting period, which is by far the most uh, important month of the recruiting season. Uh, And so they're in a pretty good spot now, especially considering where things were just, you know, a month ago. Now, Robin, as we talk hoops here, where are they at finishing out their numbers? I know you just reported on another guy, Amir Harris. Um, all signs point to him um, joining the team as well. Um, where are they at if you count Copeland and Palmer still on the roster uh, with the ad- potential addition of Harris? What, what's, where does that put them? Yeah, they're uh, at two open scholarships right now. With um, Harris? Yeah. Well, no. With, I mean, without Amir Harris. Uh, and assume, that's assuming Copeland and Palmer are back. And then obviously uh, one of those spots was the one that Tanner Borkhart had last year, but that was just a semester deal for the spring. So that is open um, unless something changes and they don't fill it. So uh, they have two open spots. And yeah, Amira Harris was on campus for an official visit on May 1st through the 4th. 
um, had a great in-home visit on April 15th and picked up an offer. And so things really moved quickly uh, between Nebraska and Harris. And a big reason why was because Tim Miles took the reins directly with that recruitment. He, it wasn't an assistant coach being the lead recruiter. Tim Miles was the lead recruiter from the get-go on this. And that was one of the things that really struck uh, a mirror through this deal to where Nebraska was his first official visit, and he only took one other official. Um, he visited Auburn the weekend following his trip to Lincoln. And so it's basically down to Nebraska. It is down in Nebraska and Auburn. And, you know, right now, if, I were, if I'm a betting man, uh, I think Nebraska's in a pretty darn good spot. So, um, you know, he's going to announce his decision on Saturday. I'm not sure when on Saturday, but uh, he told me earlier this week that um, that was his plan. He's put a lot of thought into this decision. So, um, you know, and I think Nebraska has at least a 50-50 chance, and I would probably say it's a lot better than that uh, when it comes down to it. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we talk basketball with Robin Washett. And as far as uh, Copeland and James Palmer Jr., uh, both these guys, not NBA Combine invites. So where does that put them in the draft process? Yeah, that's a pretty good indication that uh, your your chances of being drafted are pretty slim. I mean, obviously, it doesn't rule it out completely. I mean, there have been cases where guys impress in these workouts, which Copeland and Palmer are both going through right now. You know, Palmer's already worked out with uh, you know, three or four teams, and I think Copeland has a few scheduled uh, for later this week and on into next week. So, uh, you know, they're going to get their opportunity to at least get on the court and show, you know, be directly in front of NBA personnel and coaches and show what they can do. But, you know, that's that's a long shot to say the least. So uh, right now, as Tim Miles, I mean, Tim Miles put it publicly, he thinks both of those guys are going to be back, or at least it's likely that both of those guys are going to be back. And you don't say something like that publicly without – having some confidence behind it. Uh, so he's been involved with these guys every step of the way throughout this process. In fact, on, on Saturday, uh, last Saturday before graduation, uh, he sat down with Copeland and his family for a couple hours and just laid out everything that they're going to be expecting through this entire uh, draft process and you know what to expect, what to do, gave some advice. So, I mean, he's been in tune with everything these guys are doing and everything they're thinking. And for him to come out in a press conference format and say that, leads you to believe he's pretty confident and feeling pretty good about the chances of not just one, but potentially both coming back. Now, for me, I, you know, again, going back, going back to my betting guesses, I would say that James Palmer is far more likely to be back than Isaac Copeland. And I, but not saying there's a chance both don't come back, but if you look at the circumstances surrounding Isaac, he'll be 23. He's got you know, his degree in hand. He's got an injury, you know, with the back, and then he had some sore knees at the end of last year. You just got to wonder how much basketball is left in his body. And so the time is now. If how much gonna, money are we talking about here, though? I mean, like, it depends. I mean, it depends on what league you go to, but you're looking at anywhere from, you know, just under 100000 to over six figures. So uh, it's a good living. And a lot of that's seven, tax- Not seven figures, though. No. Six no, no, figures. Well, I mean, yeah, no, no. But, I mean, seriously, I mean, you can make – genuine up to or around $100,000 tax-free with your housing paid for, with your car paid for, with your food paid for, uh, and basically just living the dream in Greece, you know, in some condo overlooking the ocean. So uh, it's a good life. And, you know, for a guy that has basically uh, done everything he needs to do in his college career, uh, I mean, that's, that's pretty enticing. But there's always a chance. I mean, some guys are just drawn to that appeal of one more year of exposure and if everybody comes back, um, that's on the roster right now, Nebraska could be pretty good next year. And the fact that he w- worked hard to get his degree, that tells you what kind of person he is. I mean, he's, he's obviously put the time in in the classroom and, uh, you know, worked pretty hard to get out. Yeah. He's a smart, calculated kid, uh, you know, and he's, he's gone through a tough career, not only with injuries. I mean, this is a guy that was a five-star recruit, ranked number 23 in the country. I mean, he had the world at his fingertips. Goes to Georgetown and things just never worked out for him. And now, you know, he was able to rebound at Nebraska. Still didn't have quite the year he was hoping for. But, um, you know, I think he did enough, certainly, to put himself in an opportunity to go make a comfortable living playing basketball. Now the question is, does he still want to cling to his NBA dream and showcase himself for one more season on a pretty good, potentially pretty good team at Nebraska? um, And then, you know, just try and go through this process again in a year. Or does he want to go start getting paid, uh, get paid for playing basketball for once? Well, it's going to be interesting to follow, and Robin Washett will keep you up to date as he has been on top of it all. If you want the most up-to-date, latest breaking news on Nebraska basketball, I urge you to follow Robin Washett at Robin Washett on Twitter or here on HuskerOnline.com for the latest. When we come back, David Eichel will join us. We'll take your questions 
in the mailbag here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, and Nate Klaus, and bringing back our intern, David Eichold, uh, as we uh, take your questions in the mailbag. Dave, and obviously quiet week, not a ton going on, but still a few questions in the mailbag. Uh, so will we have the same quarterbacks on this team this time next year? Ooh, that's a good one. Um I would I would say the heart in all of us would say yes, but the guy that's been doing this now 20 seasons tells me you're probably going to lose one. I mean, I, I just think it's going to happen. I, I don't know who it's going to be, uh, but uh, I think, yeah, something will happen somewhere where, you know, some, I mean, that, that's just how the quarterback position works, I think, everywhere. Yeah, it's not just quarterback. It's college sports. I mean, we're in the era of the transfer. When things don't work out for you right away, go somewhere else where it will. Uh, that's just kind of the way things are. And um, there's too many young quarterbacks in that room uh, for everybody to stay intact and just be complacent with a backup job. It's just not the society we live in. It's not the game we live in. Uh, so I would be surprised, actually, if this entire quarterback room that we're seeing right now is back next May. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of variables, though. I mean, it, a lot, I think, will depend on you know how that battle ends up um, you know, who plays what or how much, uh, and also the trajectory of the team. You know, I, I think if things kind of take off here and, and seem to be heading in, in uh, the right direction really fast, I, I think that may impact uh, some, some decisions too. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think I think we're all we've all kind of been around long enough to know that the chances of that happening are, are uh, probably pretty favorable. Uh, what's the biggest need for O-line recruiting this year? Well, it's without a doubt tackle. I mean, I think that's been the need for about 10 years. <laughs> I mean, I, I, ever since Nebraska has made a switch into a pro-style offense under Bill Callahan, the tackle position, how it's been recruited, how it's developed has changed at Nebraska. Under Frank Solch, under Tom Osborne, uh, Osborne, excuse me, I, I better get that right, <laughs> uh, tackles in general – were not pro-style guys. I mean, you think about the greatest tackles in the program's history, Zach Wiegert and guys like that played guard in the NFL. Um, so I think in general, Nebraska had to change how they recruit tackles, more pro-measurables, and they just, for whatever reason, have had a hard time getting those types of players. Uh, the 500-mile radius, Nate, just doesn't produce very many NFL body-type tackles that are at least the finished product coming out of high school. Yeah, they, yeah the 500-mile radius does not have your prototypical NFL you know, left or right tackle. So, um, so I actually think that the this new offense and you know will probably be will benefit Nebraska with how they're going to recruit the the position um, all across the line. But yeah, certainly offensive tackle is is still going to be that number one need across the offensive line. And and uh, you know if they're going to take four or five offensive or offensive linemen this year, uh, I would not be surprised if at least three of them are are tackles, maybe even four tackles in this class. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, and Nate Klaus for taking your questions in the mailbag with intern David Eichold. Where do you see this team making the biggest improvement from last year? Oh, I mean, you can go a lot of different ways in that, but I just think mentally, physically in the weight room, just the drive to win, the give a you-know-what factor. I mean, I, I just think with how important Nebraska football is to this staff, to Scott Frost and the other coaches, it, it means more to them it's not a job. It's more than a job. And I think that's going to rub off on these players uh, because Scott Frost truly understands what this place is all about. And I think that intangible, that want to and desire, hopefully will build this culture they want to build here. Yeah, as far as on the field, I'm going to go the easy route. I'm going to say the defense probably can't get any worse than it was last year. So there's really nowhere to go but. The pass rush. Yeah. So, I mean, the pass rush should be better. The pass defense should be better. The, the run corner. defense should be better. <laughs> well, the corners have an interception this year. Yes. They, didn't, they didn't have any last year. Yeah. I mean, so there's, there's a lot of room to improve here. Then I think that we'll see, it may not be great, but you will see some improvement from where a year ago. So that will be better. 
better. The defensive side of the ball will be better. Well, now that you guys have taken all of my answers, <laughs> um, yeah, like I, what I, he said, yeah, what, what he said, uh, yeah, I, I'm going to go back, kind of, um, you know, to the the overall effort level. Um, you know, I, I think it all starts with uh, with Zach Duvall. I think everything that we're going to see going forward starts with Zach Duvall in that weight room. Um, you know, from from the strength and conditioning standpoint to the the mental toughness, um, and then just the the overall stamina and and uh, you know I guess effort level uh, that we're going to see. I, I think that from start to finish, we're going to see a team that that puts forth a lot more effort than what we've seen over the past few years. Quickly, get chime in here. The, the rushing will be much at least a little bit better than last year. Um, if you had to pick one point that began the downward spiral for Husker football between 1998 and 2018, what would it be? Well, it's, it's easy. The Colorado game was the start of it. In 2001, when Colorado hung whatever, 62 points or whatever it was on Nebraska and Boulder, Nebraska football has only been ranked in the top five as a program one week. One week since the 2001 season ended. Um, and, and that day coupled by the Rose Bowl against Miami, that, to me, started the downward slide. Um, it set up 2002, which was 7-7, seven and seven, which eventually got Frank Solich fired. Now, Frank Solich had a decent 3 year, uh, but still got blown out in all the games that, quote-unquote, mattered, and that's why they made that decision. But I don't think the program has been the same, when I look at it collectively, since that 0-1 Colorado-slash-Miami uh, stretch of games where they've only been in the top five now one week since those games. Yeah, I think that was definitely the start of it all. Uh, for me personally, uh, the first big exclamation point after that was that Texas Tech game uh, in 2004, the 70 to 10. I mean, that was like the first time Nebraska never stood a single chance to win a game. And that I, that I had seen or I had covered. Well, that game was still a game at like halftime. I mean, though. it was a blowout. It was a disaster. They tore up benches in the student section. were passing them around. It was unbelievable. It was one of, and I just remember sitting next to Mike Babcock, who's our resident Husker historian, and we're just flipping through the media guide. The last time Nebraska gave up this many points, the biggest loss since, and it was just like, I mean, obviously since that point, we've had to do that several times, <laughs> but that was the first like holy crap, this is really, really bad moment that I can really remember. Yeah, 01 Colorado uh, is is definitely, for me, the start of it. But And I think you can look back at it and kind of point to any blowout that has occurred you know, since that Colorado game and, and kind of say, well, that played a factor, that played a factor. And, and once you've become removed enough from from what Nebraska used to be uh, I think it makes it that much harder to get back there uh, and, and that's what we've seen over over the you know past 10 15 years is that you know this is this is, these teams that we've seen are not anywhere near what what we uh, what we saw during the 90s and during that the run uh, that Nebraska had during that era all right we got time for at least one more quick one what do you have if, what do you think is most important, locking, keeping in-state talent at Nebraska, locking down the 500-mile radius, or making an impact nationally recruiting? I would say in-state talent to me is almost a given. You're going to get those guys. I think the 500-mile radius, um, if you really offer an in-state guy and go after him, 95% of the time you're going to get them if you do it the right way. There's been instances where it's not been done the right way, and they've lost those guys, or they just didn't offer guys in general. But I think the 500-mile radius – that's where you have to get guys because history tells you nationally the best players at most programs come within driving distance because their parents can get to games. They can get home on weekends and on breaks without having to fly. Um, so I, I do think getting the top guys in Denver, Kansas City, St. Louis, um, particularly the South Dakota when they have a guy. Um, Iowa, that's not a state Nebraska has had great success in because there's two Division I programs there. But I think the other states I mentioned, I think it's really important that they get those guys, Nate. Yeah, I, I think it's a 500-mile radius. Um, Nebraska is going to be able to go out and, and get – 
you know, uh, your your national you know skill guys or whatever from from across the country. Uh, but I, I definitely think that you have to lock down the 500 mile radius and get the large majority of your recruiting class on a year yearly basis from that from that region. Well, yeah, and especially because there's so much talent in that 500 mile radius. You look at the Missouri right yeah. now, and, and Nate, you can obviously speak more on this than I can. But uh, I mean, at the time it couldn't be more perfect for Nebraska to capitalize on that territory than probably ever before. I mean, just because of the the wealth of talent that is there for the taking, uh, especially with the new era with Scott Frost. David, I got my own mailbag question for you. Can Nebraska baseball make the Big Ten tournament? Uh, you know, it's going to be a little bit of a little bit of a late uh, late season stretch because I think they need to win five or six uh, against Indiana and Illinois. I mean, these are Indiana's fighting for their their hopes of the Big Ten tournament as well. I mean, that's a really good team they got there too. I believe they're seventeenth nationally in this. What's week's the Big ranking. Ten like? Three or four NCAA bids right now. Yeah, about I think they're four in the latest projection. But, you know, Illinois got a couple sluggers on that team. Indiana's a nationally ranked team, and Indiana's seventh place in the Big Ten right now. So, you know, Nebraska has won five of six against them. Um, they don't own tiebreakers against Michigan State or Rutgers. And no, those no, are the two teams. Anybody. Those are two teams above them. And that's going to play a big, big part, and that just puts more pressure uh, on this team to win. And, you know, Luis Alvarado really needs it to get it together. The last couple starts have not been his game, but the fact that Nebraska scored 16 straight runs last weekend and Luis got, I mean, he didn't get a decision, but I mean, he needs to pitch better. The bullpen needs to stay consistent and someone else besides Scott Schreiber needs to step up for them to have a well, chance. Six big games here to end the year uh, starting this weekend and uh, David and Matt Reynolds will have full coverage of that from Hawksfield Haymarket Park. But when we come back, we're going to shift over to recruiting. Uh, we had a stop at Iowa Western Community College. I had a sit down with head coach Scott Strohmeyer, and uh, we'll, we'll play that next for you here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan here as uh, we had a chance this week to go out to Iowa Western and spend a little time as Nebraska kind of rebuilds that relationship. They've really never started that relationship, but we had a chance to sit down with Reaver head coach Scott Strohmeyer earlier this week, and we talked about a number of different things. Well, here at Iowa Western, Sean Callahan with Iowa Western head coach Scott Strohmeyer. You guys are just wrapping up your spring coach Um I guess, first of all, coming off another great season here where you guys were uh, nearly back in a national championship game. Uh, what do you like about the team you guys here uh, return coming back? Well, obviously you lose a lot every single year, um, and we lost a really good group. But I think when I look back on our previous seasons, we have as many returning, not starters or guys who played significant minutes, returning this year, um, starting on the defensive line. and. You know, we lost our entire offensive line, but we have some skill guys back. Where in years past, we maybe had two or three guys that played significant minutes returning. So we're excited about that. Uh, the guys are hungry. You know, they felt a little bit slighted last year, which, uh, you know, motivated them in winter conditioning. And, you know, I felt with the weather starting off, we ended spring on a pretty good note. Hey, your defensive line, I mean, I, that looks like the group that all the coaches are going to today. We're at practice. Alabama's there. Oregon's there. TCU, Purdue, Ohio, and it seemed like everybody kind of had their eyes on that defensive line group. Give us an idea of just what you have coming back as far as big-time prospects on that D-line group. Yeah, I mean, that's really where everybody goes when you have those the interior defensive line or offensive linemen. The coaches really attract to them. And, you know, it starts Chester Graves, uh, returning All-American, um, you know, is really going to be able to pick where he wants to go to school. He's really talented out of Kansas City. And you go Malcolm Lee from Bellevue, who had who has probably the most improved from last fall to now. Really had a great offseason in the weight room. Um, will end up, you know, in probably have some power. He has some power five offers, and um, it's really good to see him because I think that's a development thing. You know, everybody knew he was talented, but he's changed his body in hard work and and really takes. Uh, you know, coaching extremely well. You know, and then Elijah James from Illinois came in, played as a freshman for us, and uh, again, a good, good guy or good off season, and put himself in position. Then we kind of get the sleeper, Elias Bell, who came in. He was our fifth guy last year, had an injury and ended up playing. He was our fourth guy. Um, you know, in our four-man rotation, who's got a really big upside. And when you have four guys that you know will have Division One offers. 
um, on the defensive line, you can be a little bit young in some other spots because um, you know those guys can give havoc to an offense. And you mentioned Malcolm Lee, how he's developed. How much can you use him as an example to when you're recruiting places like Omaha or yep. State of Nebraska, <clears throat> particularly that? Hey, you know what? You have the potential, and look, if you come here and play for me for two years, we we can get you the offers that you think you maybe deserve. Yep, and I think that's that's the best part, you know. And we've had some some Nebraska kids, and they've developed and done really well, um, you know. Now with with Melk, you know, the last few years, um, you know, the big thing is you get a kid from Omaha, you know, or Bellevue, and and they come here. They maybe have some offers, but maybe not the ones that they like, and. They come here and two years later, all of a sudden, you know, now they're power five. I think the biggest thing that I try to stress to them and in all the times we recruit is, you know, right now in Nebraska, you're really a regional recruit. You know, there are certain schools that recruit the state of Nebraska, and um, unless you're one of the high-profile kids, where now you come to Iowa Western, you're a national recruit. So now you have coaches from, you know, TCU there today. They're looking at guys, and um, they may – I know they're recruiting some in Omaha, but – they don't generally make stops, you know, up here. They got the state of Texas. Yeah, when you took this job over 10 years ago to, in your wildest <laughs> dreams, did you ever imagine that you would have this type of spring? Because, uh, I mean, I'm guessing in your earlier Iowa days at, at NIAC, you, you weren't getting Alabamas and TCUs no. and the organs of the world, yep. top 10 national programs coming to watch your spring practices. Yeah, you know, I mean, I suppose you have a vision that that's what you'd want it to be. I don't necessarily know that you'd expect it, and, and we had it fairly fast. You know, shoot, I, we were at Nyack, and I was there for three years, and we had some talented kids, but we sent three Division One and really no Power Five guys at you know at that time. But um, we were happy when the FCS schools would show up and the good D2s. Um, so times have changed uh, dramatically. You know, we've had some high-profile kids that a lot of those schools come to, and and really, you know, when you're successful and you win some games, and people know now what type of program we run. Um, we're not the maybe the typical junior college that people think of all the time, and what they see sometimes on TV. Uh, you know that they know that our guys are you know taking care of their business academically, and for the most part, we're getting our kids out, and that's a big thing. When are you signing the last chance you deal? By the way, <laughs> I don't think there's enough drama here at Iowa Western <laughs> for uh, last chance you to get here. They might be bored. Uh, for the time and and you know we joked about it because we actually talked to them when they were at independence and they're like maybe next year and that's so i said i'm like i don't think there's enough drama here you didn't make the film probably the way you guys put them in the ground that yeah day. i don't know hopefully i'm interested to see the uh season one or episode one to kind of see um what was put in that game but our guys were fired up for it now you mentioned um Nebraska a little bit. Uh, Scott Frost is a guy that you've known since his Northern Iowa days. Eric mm -hmm. Shenander, Mario Verdusco, uh, Javon DeWitt, all guys that you have some familiarity with from your days at, at NIAC. Um, Scott Frost has been here. Eric Shenander's been here. DeWitt's been here. Ryan Held, I think, has at least been in contact or been here as well. Um, give us an idea of just how much more open that relationship now is with Nebraska compared to maybe the previous 10 years. Well, I mean, it's huge because you know that we know each other, you know, and I think they they've over the 10 years that I've known some of those guys that they understand um, who I am, who are our, our, my staff is, how we run our program. And so there's a trust factor there right away just because the relationship has already been established, unlike maybe the other ones where there was no prior relationship with anybody really on staff. So, um, you know, they, they maybe had relationships other places. Uh, with other guys where now we kind of already have that established and um, you know I'm excited you know they they know that we've been successful here they know we have players that doesn't mean they're going to take everyone um, but I know for a fact that if we have a player they're going to evaluate them and, and recruit them if they're the right fit for Nebraska so I mean I'm excited you know I I have a lot of respect for those guys and in the way you know Scott has climbed the ladder I mean everybody knew uh, when you first met him that he was going to at some point be a head coach and and I think a lot of people were hoping at Nebraska so um, it's it's good to see yeah you, you knew him at Northern Iowa you followed him out to Oregon to kind of learn what they were doing on offense mm -hmm. under Chip Kelly uh, in your mind did you kind of say you know what this could happen someday I mean him coming back to Nebraska just makes too much sense w without a doubt I mean one he's sharp I mean uh, 
you know, when you when the first time that we sat with him, I think because uh, he was defensively on the defensive side at Northern Iowa, um, and then when he went to Oregon, he was on the offense side. And when we went out there, and I think 2010, our entire my entire offensive staff, I brought him out there, and they signed Jared Ebert. Um, so that was our kind of way to get in. The big and, tall guy you had, yeah, right? Yep. And so we had an opportunity to sit down with them, and and I'll tell you what, just just talking to them. Um, you know, that first day there, you're like, I mean, he's a sharp, sharp uh, football coach. Now, your offense that you run, how similar is it to what Frost is doing now? A lot of it's similar. You know, um, you know, we revamped our system, and we got some from some other places too, but, you know, the, the tempo, um, we change a lot of our calls that are similar. A lot of our, our past concepts are similar, um, kind of the same philosophies, and, and I think, like I said, we're always trying to learn too. But you know, they've been so successful, and he's and he's he's changed it a little bit from Oregon to you. He kind of put his own twist in it. Uh, you know, when he was when he was just the offense coordinator at Oregon, but when he took over the head coaching job at UCF to Nebraska, he's got some more twists in there that you know we want to continue to learn because he's done a really good job. Now they've offered Chester Graves. Uh, it sounds like they're talking to Malcolm Lee. I mean. Are those really the two primary names Nebraska has asked you about thus far? Yeah, I think so. You know, and and we still have a lot of guys that maybe are there's some uncertainty. They transferred in. Um, we need to see them a little bit more in the spring. And I think you know that's what's good when they're so close and they can come and check out. It's fairly easy for them to get over here and and evaluate a guy or meet somebody. And um, but those are really the main two. Well, coach, we appreciate the time. Uh, I know you got the spring game coming up th- tomorrow, so. Uh, pretty busy time at Iowa Western, but we were excited to get a chance to come up here and, and check out all the facilities and, and all the things that you guys have added here to, to really make this a premier JUCO program in the country. Well, I appreciate you guys coming anytime. Uh, it's good to see you guys, and uh, hopefully we can see more of you, and, and that means that we got guys that are getting recruited and going to Nebraska. Well, hey, thanks a lot, Coach. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you. And thanks again to Iowa Western head coach Scott Strohmeyer for joining us here on the Husker Online Show. We'll pick up more on that conversation with Nate Klaus, plus more on recruiting next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Final segment here of the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus. So we're going to talk some recruiting Nate, and first and foremost, we'll talk about what Scott Strohmeyer had to say there. Uh, but Nebraska did get a new commit. Let's start off with that. This past week uh, happened on Saturday. Four-star running back Ramir Johnson, uh, rivals top 250 guy, one of the top five players in the state of New Jersey. Um, how'd they get him, Nate, and what kind of guy is this? Well, they got him through persistence. I mean, Nebraska – uh, Scott Frost and Eric or uh, Ryan Held, they they offered him uh, in December, just shortly after they took the job at Nebraska, and from that point on, they basically talked with him every single day up until you know he decided to to make things official for Nebraska. So uh, they were more consistent than any other team uh, recruiting him, and he's got 15, 16 different offers. So um, I think that's that was the big deal. Uh, now his visit here is what really sealed it uh, because, you know, any kid who's coming from an urban area, obviously a lot of times they have got a preconceived notion of what Nebraska is going to be like and or what what the city of Lincoln is going to be like, you know, surrounded by cornfields and yada, yada, yada. Uh, got here and it was not like that at all. Really enjoyed the city of Lincoln, enjoyed campus, um, you know, liked all the facilities, liked the people that he's going to be, going to be around on a daily basis too. Everyone that's associated with the program from the academic support, the wait staff, so on and so forth. So um, now as far as is the type of player he is, I mean, he's the perfect fit for this offense because, I mean, you, you can watch his his uh, his highlight film and, and he, they're doing all sorts of different things with him, getting creative with him to utilize his speed and, and get him the ball in, in open space. Uh, they're motioning him from a slot receiver into the backfield, from the backfield to being a slot receiver. Um, and he is fast. He's very explosive. Uh, he's a speed guy. Uh, and, and he really is going to upgrade that position uh, as far as speed goes uh, in a big way. And, and really, when you look at the guys that they've they've gotten here since this new staff came aboard with uh, with Miles Jones, Maurice Washington, 
Thomas Grayson and and uh, now Ramir Johnson. All those guys are anywhere from ten five to ten seven hundred meter guys. So the speed that they've brought in at that spot is is uh, clearly evident and something that they really felt like they needed to upgrade. You're listening here to the Husker Line Show as we talk recruiting with Nate Klaus and Nate. You just heard from Scott Strohmeyer. You worked for Scott Strohmeyer in their very first year at Iowa Western and. Uh, we had a chance to, to go out to practice there last week. We saw Alabama, Oregon, TCU, a number of Division One programs um, in attendance uh, watching uh, that practice f- for the Reavers. And uh, just your overall thoughts on, on our time out there uh, watching the IWCC practice. Well, it's it's amazing what, what – you know how the that program has kind of developed, and and the job that Scott Strohmeyer has done. Um, you know to to start from scratch and to really uh, outside of the first year. Um, you know to really only have one one down season, and, and they're they're going into their tenth year here uh, is unbelievable. To to have a, a national championship under their belt already is pretty unbelievable. And now with the facilities that they have and all the resources that they've got, the location, um, I mean, they're going to become a juggernaut because there's not another junior college program in the country that can even remotely touch what Iowa ha- what Iowa Western has as far as resources um, the, the facilities that football facility is nicer than a lot of FCS programs uh, that locker room is unbelievable um, you know and then you, you talk about the little things like the the cafeteria you know the the dining facility where it's open from basically uh, seven o'clock in the morning until until the until night and it's unlimited those guys can go in there and get meals or get snacks or you know what Whatever, anytime that they want, as long as they're on a meal plan. And a lot of junior colleges, you have to. You're stuck eating Subway every night. Yeah, you're 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 going to Taco Bell. You, you know, every, you're, you and your roommates are collecting whatever money you do have to go order off of uh, you know a dollar menu at some fast food restaurant. I know of junior colleges. For little things like athletic tape, they've got vending machines where if you want tape, you have to go, you have to buy it out of a vending machine, uh, and that's not the case at Iowa Western. And, and um, you know, and plus they're building this new indoor football facility that's going to be unbelievable. So um, their advantage when it comes to recruiting here uh, over the next several years uh, or for the foreseeable future is going to be huge. And so I, I think that this thing is just getting rolling, and, and it's a good time for Nebraska to finally uh you know have an established connection here and uh, and i think that could be a fruitful uh, relationship going forward all right let's get back on the recruiting topic here for nebraska nate uh the huskers uh, made a number of new offers this past week but really the story was it was legacy week uh, nebraska went out and made a handful of kind of major legacy offers of kids that had ties to former husker players yeah, I think you've got to start with uh, with Javen Wright, who's the 2019 cornerback out of Chandler, Arizona, Hamilton High School, which is a powerhouse program in, in the Phoenix area. Uh, 6'3", 170-pound cornerback right now, uh, is the son of former Blackshirt standout uh, NFL player Toby Wright. And so... Um, you know, obviously the bloodlines are good there, uh, and and he's uh, he's an intriguing prospect. He, he he runs very well. He's he's all legs and arms. I mean, this kid is extremely long. I think he's the type of guy. If you you got him in the program and gave him to Zach Duvall for a year or two, uh, who knows what he could end up being? He could end up growing into a safety or maybe even um, you know a, a rover outside linebacker type of guy like his like his dad was uh, because uh, he has a tremendous frame. But the thing that really stood out to me was just how impactful that offer was. He, he's, he's a guy who's got a lot of big big offers. He's got UCLA. He's got Arizona, Arizona State, Louisville. I mean, he's got a lot of big offers, but when he got the Nebraska offer, he said that, you know, that's a game changer because Nebraska is, is his dream school. Uh, he grew up idolizing the black shirts because of all the stories that he heard from his dad uh, and the passion that he talks about, you know, the black shirt tradition with. And, um, and so this is a big deal and, and he's going to be visiting uh, Nebraska probably probably at some point in June and I would not be surprised if if a commitment followed that at some point so uh, it, it, it not only is it nice to get a kid into the program who's a legacy it, that it already means something to them uh, to play for Nebraska but uh, it's also nice to get a to potentially get a guy out of Arizona
Arizona from a powerhouse program that produces several D1 guys on a yearly basis. So maybe that could, you know, uh, be another advantage for Nebraska down the road. Now, Nebraska Nate uh, officially announced their satellite camp schedule. I know we've kind of discussed a lot of these already. Um, you know, whether it's going back to St. Louis to Lindenwood and the Adidas circuit that's going to take place in Miami and Atlanta, uh, also Arizona State. But I guess what jumped out to me more than anything, Nate, when I look at it is there's a lot of crossover with camps going on in Lincoln on the same days as some of the satellite camps Nebraska will be a part of. And it will be very interesting to see how they kind of divide the staff uh, because there really isn't even one day where all nine or ten coaches could just go out to one camp together. Yeah, that's that is pretty interesting. Uh, just you know how how full of a plate these these coaches are going to have during during the camp season here in, in the month of June because you're allowed NCAA allows you ten days in the month of June to to be out on the road uh, attending camps and coaching camps or to have camps on on your own campus or any variation of that so um, so Nebraska with all the different places that they're going they have to uh, they got to split up their staff in, in order to to be a you know. Uh, four, three or four different places at the same time. They got to split up these coaches and uh, you know take advantage of of those ten days that they do have. So um, you know I, I think it's a good strategy. Uh, we'll see exactly how it works out, but I, I do feel like there's an opportunity for these satellite camps to maybe produce a little bit more than what we have seen over the past few years. Um, it's basically produced DiCaprio Boodle. Yeah, that's uh, about it. I mean we've we've invested a lot of good hard earned money to cover a lot of these camps and we've had a lot of good stories and a lot of good things out of them in three years nate but you're right i mean they, they haven't really produced necessarily now jebbia and o'brien and a lot of quarterbacks were there i guess but yeah you had you had uh you know tyjon Lindsay and you know i mean you had you had some commitments uh at some of these other satellite camps um uh, I, I think what the the one the first one in santa monica you had you had jebbia and patrick o'brien there and um, you know, but I think where Nebraska could potentially make a lot of hay here is because they have so many connections in Florida, especially South Florida, uh, with with Javon Dewitt and uh, Sean Becton uh, in in Georgia. Uh, I mean, I think that they already know the landscape. They're not going down there and their head's not going to be spinning trying to figure out who guys are. They're going to go down there and they're going to recognize guys. They're going to know who these guys are. Uh, and I know the people behind the fence. They're going to know. <laughs> Yes, they're gonna know the key, the key people, those 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 uh, the uncles, uh, the the handlers, and, and whatever you want to call them, stepbrothers, uh, yeah, cousins, yep, yeah, uh, coach. Uh, so I think that the that I I feel like there's an opportunity here for Nebraska to really capitalize on on the, these uh, satellite camps, especially the ones at FAU, FIU, and uh, and I don't even think they know how big these are because I think if they did, Nate, I really think they would have adjusted these youth camps. I yeah. Because, you know, every other Adidas school will have their entire staffs in Atlanta and, and Miami. Nebraska won't be able to go that full because of their youth camps going on the same days, which, you know, that everyone's going to do it differently. But, um, you know, I don't know how Coach Frost is going to even going to be able to get to a lot of these. It'll yeah. be, so it'll be interesting to see. I've asked the, which ones he's going to. No one's told me which camps at this point Frost will be at. If You know, I imagine he'll make a couple. The Tampa one. Happens to fall, though, Nate, the day after Friday Night Lights. So that's a morning on Saturday when Tampa starts at USF. Nebraska has Friday Night Lights the night before to like 9 or 10 at night. So it will be interesting to see how they even get out to Tampa for the FNL camp or for the uh, that satellite camp out there. Yeah, it really will be. I mean, they're going to have to utilize some, some private planes. Um, it's going to be late night, early morning type of deal. Uh, you know, for for some of those, uh, and what's really going to be interesting is, you know, if they have a lot of prospects in town, um, you know, for the Friday Night Lights camp or whatever, how they're going to juggle that. You know, if if coaches are then leaving Lincoln to go to a satellite camp, and if you have visitors on campus or, or whatever, so um, I I think they'll adjust this by year two. Yeah, I, absolutely. I think this year one, they're looking at how experience. they do it. But year two, and and we saw it with Riley's staff a little bit too. They adjusted the year two yep. recruiting June plan because you got to be pretty. It's it's a tough month. I mean, you can get a lot done, but you got to be very very organized. And uh, we will once again be at a lot of these camps and and bring that all to you here on Husker Online. But uh, plenty of stuff going on between baseball recruiting. Uh, and obviously uh, s- some more storylines with the roster. So make sure you're on Husker Online as we will keep you up to date on the latest. 
Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.